Radio Drone. All right, it's episode 23, blah, 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 blah. Brad's here, Jared's here, I'm here. Let's just move on. I'm sick of doing that every week. <laughs> oh, man, that was that was news to me. I wasn't sure how many episodes we've done. 23, this is 23. Wow, Hi. 23 episodes. Well, in two more, we're going to have to do something special for 25. Yeah, Perhaps. Exactly. Well, maybe if you know Michael Ironside or John Saxon's people ever get back to me, we can have an interview with them, but nobody will return an email or phone call. Meanwhile, uh, this whole episode is going to be dedicated solely to the movie The Number 23. I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't didn't like that movie. I didn't like that movie either. (laughs) Jim Carrey, big ups to you. (laughs) Well, speaking of ups, didn't you have something you wanted to say there, Follies? (laughs) Yeah, uh, thank you there, uh, uh, Hardly. Hadley. Um, Hadley. (laughs) Hardly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I want to give some uh, big ups, big props to uh, Zach uh, Strobel or Strobel. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. Uh, He's the creator and um, basically the sole animator of Ooze Tunes. I have had the opportunity to voice two iconic characters in his his cartoons. Very cool. Um, Are those up yet? Oh yeah, both of them are. Uh, one is uh, Chuck Norris versus Aliens, and uh, I voice Chuck Norris. And uh, another one is you're the new voice of Bosco. Are you, are, are, so Jared, are you Yakko, Wacko, or Dot, or all three? <laughs> um, and uh, and uh, I I also voiced Butthead in Beavis and Butthead meet Smokey the Bear. <laughs> I can vouch. Jared does a mean uh, does a mean Butthead. Yeah. And the the character too, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. In the character too. Yeah. Brad set me up for that one. <laughs> Whether he meant to or not, he did. <laughs> no one will ever know, except for the fact that we're recording this. Oh yeah. There's always that. <laughs> I wanted to say, I hate both of you guys. Why? I I hate myself too. Because I took a recommendation from both of you guys and suffered through the first hour of the Nightmare on Elm Street remake last night. There's a reason I didn't finish the last 40 minutes. I hated that first hour. Oh, come on. You're a snob and just didn't like it because it was just a remake? No, I I was just getting angry at it. Brad Jones calling somebody a snob. I I didn't get pissed off. It, the Friday the 13th one pissed me off. The Elm Street one didn't. See, I, I I love Jackie Earl, just like you always say, and I agree with you. Jackie Earl is a really good actor, but yeah. all I could see was Jackie Earl in makeup in that movie. I never once saw Freddy Krueger. He even did the Rorschach voice for him. Yeah, it, but have you it, seen the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street sequels? They're all, they look even more makeup-y than this one did. Right, but it was still you knew you know it was Robert Englund you know from the original and it's because it was the original series and not a remake. Maybe I just I couldn't accept him, and then I've always had this problem. I can't stand twenty-seven-year-olds playing teenagers. I I am DB'd some of these people. Some of them are in their late twenties and they're playing. I just got my driver's license. No, you didn't. <laughs> You've had that, it for the last ten years. That's like so. In, the, in other words, then do you hate every slasher film from the eighties? I might, if I really thought about. It. Maybe it's just my perception is different. Okay, do you remember in the Silent Night, Bloody Night video when Brandon made that weird comment about how he swears boobs were different in the seventies? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> if you remember that, I swear teenagers were different in the eighties. The twenty-seven-year-olds then still looked like teenagers. I look at these. <laughs> I look at the people in the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, and I see twenty-seven-year-olds. I don't know, man. I, I I don't know about that. Go back and watch like Porky's and Screwballs again. Hell, go back to the seventies. You gonna tell me Stalker Channing looks like a teenager? Well, and then I also had a big problem with Thomas Decker. Not because I have a problem with him as an actor, but I just kept wondering why Sarah Connor wasn't saving him from Freddy. Which one was uh, Thomas Decker? The the, the one that uh, uh, the, the brain that lives the, for seven minutes. We got seven. six more minutes to play. Oh, that guy, that kid, that kid. Yeah. I thought I thought I thought he was okay. I mean, I don't remember really one way or the other about him. The kid that I liked was, and I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. And keep in mind, I hate most young actors, but this guy I really liked. Uh, the kid who who looked like all like he was tweaking out, and he went to the pharmacy to try to get stay awake pills. And oh yeah. He's he's like freaking out. He, he he looks like he it's like Nicolas Cage in Bad Lieutenant. You know, can I have my prescription, please? You know. <laughs> well, see, uh, my, my problem with Thomas I, Decker was he's John Connor, <laughs> so you can't have John Connor killed in such a stupid way. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, yeah, because Edward Furlong and Michael Bean have never been killed in movies before. You know what I'm saying? He's John <laughs> freaking Connor. He's an actor. He's an actor. He doesn't have to play John Connor for every single one of his movies. Basically, he was. He didn't change his acting style. Even his haircut is the same. Because, got to well, remember, he, that was shot at the same time he was doing the TV show. It, it was almost like he couldn't change. What was that? Keep in mind, I never watched that. I never watched the series. Okay, but he yeah, no, he basically played John Connor in this movie. It, okay. It has, it's another role. It doesn't matter to me if he gets killed off or not. <laughs> Maybe that's partially why you couldn't get into it, because you were so distracted with John Connor. Connor. Then, then. Well, see, one of the what characters I like. I hate this Skype echo. I just want to repeat right now: Skype sucks. Brought to you by Skype. Pretty well. Hey, no, we're brought to you by Mr. Eggroll tonight. Yeah. The museum on the corner of Walnut and Jefferson in Springfield, Illinois. The the actor I actually liked is the very first one killed, Dean. The kid in the restaurant that quote unquote slashes his own throat. He was the. I started going, wow, he's not doing too bad. He's kind of sympathetic. Ah, yeah, like oh, he's guy. dead. I like that guy. And then mm. Connie Britton is so beautiful and so oh, yeah. wasted as Nancy's mom. She was. I, I love. Con, I love Connie Britton. Oh my god, she's freaking great. I've been a fan of her since Spin City. Seeing her in this, I also liked. Uh, I liked it when Clancy Brown popped up. Look, I'm not going to sit here and say that, that that was a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination, but as somebody as myself who always preferred Jason over Freddy and honestly really didn't like it when Freddy turned all comedic, I really liked the new movie. I did. Well, the other problem I had is a plot problem. The what? A plot problem. All these yeah, people okay. repressed this same memory and yet the parents want to keep it secret, but they keep all the reminders and the old records and stuff just hidden at the back of a drawer, you know, just in case. I'll give you that one. It's I'll just, give you that it one. Just, it didn't it, it, it uh um also one thing one thing I thought was kind of funny too, and uh, keep in mind that didn't ruin the movie for me by any stretch of the imagination but one thing that i thought was kind of funny was in the uh in the flashback parts where they're all kind of dressed like it's the 1950s like i get i get it you know like it, it harkens back to what the uh the kids were wearing in the other movies i get it i get it why like some of the girls were dressed in those dresses i gotta tell you man i didn't know anybody back in the early 90s who dressed like that <laughs> 
<laughs> to me, it, it was the only thing I can say about the like the direction of the in the film film itself. I really yeah. liked how in like that opening dream sequence in the diner, the use of the red and green lights. It gave it very, uh-huh. a lot of mood and a lot of atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. And I just didn't like the movie. And at the hour point, my wife wanted to go to bed, and I just said, "All right, I'm not even going to continue this. I don't care." I saw it in the theater. Uh, really, really, really liked it a lot. Also yeah. liked its use of uh, "All I Have to Do Is Dream" by the Everly Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a I'm a sucker for stuff like that. But um, but anyway, uh, I really enjoyed it. And I'm not like I'm not someone who usually likes the Platinum Dunes movies. In fact, this might be the only one that I actually liked. But I got I got behind that one, and I I stick to my guns on I stick to my guns on the new Nightmare on Elm Street. I really really I really really dug the hell out of it. I, I was gonna say yeah, and and I I really enjoyed it too. I I really enjoyed how they it, it was it was the same and yet different all at the same time. I did notice the similarities, like when, when Tina died, although her name was Chris in this one, it was pretty huh. much the same death in that. I did appreciate that. Yeah, I, I like any remake that does something different. I do not like carbon copy remakes at all. I can't stand carbon yeah. copy remakes. Oh, that's one, it had elements of the other movies, which, which a couple of times it kind of distracted me a little bit, but other times, not really. But this one... It it was it did different it did different things with it. It wasn't it wasn't just point from point A to point B to point C. We're just carbon copying the other movie. Right, uh, Josh. Did you uh, did you get to see uh, Nancy's mom? Yeah, oh, yeah Con- 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 Connie Britton. That's the yeah, that's the actress we're talking exactly about. Exactly like the original. I, all I can see is Connie Britton from Friday Night Lights and that bad uh, Trapped at Home sitcom. From oh. the, I just I see Connie Britton and she is absolutely gorgeous. Oh yeah, she is, man. I I love her. And the the one thing about this movie though with her, you actually got to see her on Friday Night Lights. They cut so fast since it's cut all ADD style. You never get a good look yeah. at her. You can actually hey, I'm, see I'm, her. Dude, I'm with you on Connie Britton, man. She's awesome. I I love her. She doesn't get enough uh, respect. Yeah, she popped up on. Uh, it was season five, I believe, of uh, Twenty Four. She was on there uh, brief. She was on there briefly, and she's on there like in the first few episodes, I think, of season five of Twenty Four. And she's Jack's kind of love interest, but then towards the end, Jack goes back like with the other girl. And it's like, are you freaking crazy, man, dude? You had Connie Britton, dude. What the what the hell? Ah, you you almost caught yourself there. I did. I caught myself, man. <laughs> well, no, I, I I do that with uh, some of my favorites are Lisa Snyder. From yeah. Yes, dear. I hate the show, but I love Lisa Snyder. I, I love like her too. Paula Marshall. I just love Paula Marshall. Uh huh. Um, Liz Vassy, and then I, I didn't honestly. I didn't like her porn stuff as much, but Ashlyn Gear slash Kimberly Patton. Yeah, yeah. You know, like from X Files and Space Above and Beyond and Millennium and that. I loved her in her mainstream roles. She wasn't nearly as good in her porn. It was weird. That's weird. Yeah. It, I might have to because I've I've seen more of her mainstream stuff than I've seen her her adult stuff. Well, let's just say uh, I have just, some of her adult stuff. Let's put it that way. I've got some laser discs and some VHSs. Of, I'm a big fan of Ashlyn Gear. I was I was always a huge huge Tracy Scoggins fan. We're talking actresses we really like a lot. Of. Tracy Scoggins a, isn't bad. No, I I know what you're uh, talking about. Oh yeah, I was always a big Tracy Scoggins fan. Really liked her a lot. Did you ever see that uh, blooper of her on the Highlander the series? 
No, I didn't. Um, she's, you know, naked from the top down, and you know they got some strategically strategically placed things to cover her nipples. Yeah. And uh, Duncan McLeod's going, you know, just kissing all up and down her neck and everything. And the scene just keeps going. And she goes, "If somebody doesn't yell cut soon, I need some kind of contraception." <laughs> nice. And it's just, I bet, I, I bet uh, Adrian Paul was like, "No, don't cut." Dude, there's one that uh, Jared and I found this last night. There's one that I got. I got to get my hands on. It's called NYDP Blue. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Last night he and I were like poking through um, IMDb for porn titles and and found some of the best titles. The next movie that I'm doing on the snob is a Clockwork Orgy, and uh, I was we were on IMDb on the Clockwork Orgy page and so I'm like let me see what like this what else this director has done I'm kind of skimming through it <laughs> and then I think we did the same thing with the lead actress and I think it was on the lead actress's page yeah. uh, which is about 90% ass stuff <laughs> and then uh, then yeah NYDP Blue what year was that? Which is again ass stuff. <laughs> NYDP Blue, I think was I, I think was ninety six. Okay, so it would have been when NYPD Blue was still relevant. Oh yeah, yeah, it was it was nineties. It, it was definitely the nineties. Because I, I was gonna try and team up with you on your site with you reviewing porn on something. Okay, I've been watching a lot of eighties porn lately, seventies and eighties porn. Because I'm writing an article for Hustler on certain sure porn films. <laughs> no, I, I actually am Jared. I actually do have a contract with Hustler magazine. Um, so screw you on that, boy. I actually do have a contract with Hustler for an article coming up, and I was—I think it would be funny when the when the article comes out if Brad reviewed some of the movies that I talk about in the article, because there's some weird stuff, Brad. Like, oh hell yeah! Well, I'll bet. Well, because well, no, the whole thrust of the article—no pun intended. Porn films that shouldn't have been porn, i.e. ones that had enough story or character that if they had played them mainstream, they probably could yeah. have made a decent, like, a psychological thriller. Or, I mean, some of these are actually a, are pretty decent sci-fi movies if you take out the, you know, 12 minutes of hardcore stuff. Yeah, uh -huh. you know, I, I've actually seen previews for some of these movies, and, and you're right. It's it's like, it really is like they, uh, like they got like they got this bigger than micro budget where where they're where they're getting out the Panasonic HVX 200s and actually like getting some decent lighting and stuff and it's like well wait a minute this isn't porn this is just softcore stuff i don't know yeah it no because i mean some of these the whole reason when i when i pitched the article to him was some of these porns they probably would have made more money by not being porns yeah, and, I can and, think of two. I can think of a couple off the top of my head that I feel that way about. One is the Alice in Wonderland musical. They actually have um, a softcore version of that, though. I've, I know, I know that they do. I know that they do have a softcore version of it. But when when you're looking at the hardcore version of it, it's it's not as good. It gets it just brings the movie down whenever something like that happens. Um, and also, there was another one. It's called. It was with Harry Reams. I watched this several years ago. It was Blue Summer. Force no, uh, I haven't seen that one. Which one did you say? Blue Summer. That's one of the ones I'm doing. I haven't watched it yet, but I actually I haven't seen Blue Summer. But uh, forced entry, the one where he's a burnt out like Vietnam vet who goes around killing people, and like it, it, it like when you watch a lot of it, it works as one of those crazy Vietnam dudes situation exterminator. Or, 
spree movies, yeah. And then, I guess since just because it's Harry Reams in it, it does, like, hardcore porn whenever he attacks a couple of the people. And I'm sitting there watching it like, oh, okay, I was really sort of invested in this before this happened. This has kind of taken me out of the movie. Yeah. I mean, and I, I really love the 70s skin flicks. I really do love 70s porno flicks. I think that, I think that genre was done best in the 70s. But in that particular case, that movie, I thought... This would work a lot better as a thriller if it wasn't all the hardcore pornography. Well, the, the one I just watched last night was called... Uh, actually, the VHS box is called Sex Crimes 2084, but the on-screen yeah. title is just Sex 2084. It's, it's about, in the year 2084, sex is mandatory. You have to yeah. constantly pursue sex, and they have sex cops that actually round up the prudes and put them into mental institutions. One of the sex, yeah. <laughs> one of the sex cops is actually sick of the non-stop pursuit of sex, and so he wants to travel back to 19... He travels back to 1984 where the pursuit of the woman is actually more satisfying than just meeting a woman in a bar and banging her. And, and sure. these three sex cops go back in time, and I'm going... This is actually a really nice social satire. Yeah. And and then there's all these hardcore scenes that just, I hate to say it, I'm not a prude, but they get in the way. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I know what you mean, man. I'm not, a, I'm not a prude either. So that's what my article for Hustler is about, is porn films that shouldn't have been porn films. And I think it'd be funny oh, yeah. if the cinema snob reviewed some of the ones once the article comes out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Totally. I, I like. I like doing those. I like doing those episodes. Those episodes. Uh, one, they're fun to do, and I do those. I do the porno episodes when I kind of need a break from the other movies, because uh, the porn episodes are honestly the easiest to write for. They're the easiest to write for. They're the easiest to edit, and they seem to go over fairly well. So. I, I, I do those like if I'm feeling like burnt out a particular week or something, I'll be like, okay, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do a porn episode this week, kind of like this week, you know, uh, editing uh, Beware Children at Play. Uh, it took a while because I had to convert it from like PAL to NTSC, so I got a late start on editing it, and, and then you had like, to puke. I was sitting there like, oh man, I just want this to be done. Well, because um, because um, the, I hate you, Skype. I hate you, Skype. One of the ones of that the ones, uh, I just watched like two nights ago. Have you ever seen Night Dreams? The words remind always, me what goes on in that. A woman that's sexually repressed. She's a nymphomaniac, but she is. It's impossible for her to have orgasms. So she's in okay. a men, she's in a mental hospital, and they keep going into all these really weird. And I do not use this word lightly. Surreal porn. I mean, have you ever seen a woman in a 1950s-style kitchen blowing a black guy who's dressed in a cream of wheat suit while, while 1950s music plays and a guy wearing a, a piece of white bread costume plays saxophone behind her? <laughs> that like, happens in like, this! <laughs> just like twice, no more than that. Yeah, it's like that actually happens in this movie. <laughs> and Jared seems to want to see it. <laughs> you okay, Jared? Jared really likes cream of wheat. Ah. <laughs> you just got to be careful what he the does. cream is in the cream of wheat at that, you know, at that point. Oh my God. <laughs> it's not butter. I'm just I'm just picturing that image in my head and just oh man. Well, I'll send Brad a copy of the DVD and then you two can watch it together and both be kind of astonished, especially because some of the acting there, there's a whole scene that takes place in hell. 
where a yeah. woman she uh, this like I said she's a nympho but the devil won't give her so, what she wants. The guy yeah, playing the devil is creepy. He does so a, a great second. job. So wait a second, what you just described is actually in this movie. Yes. Sold. <laughs> I gotta see this movie. It's called Night Dreams from 1981. <laughs> and you know what's really I mean, funny? The guy that directed this went on to direct episodes of War of the Worlds. He directed the Max Headroom pilot. He, oh, he, nice. he, was, he was a production designer on Star Trek The Next Generation. He used to write for Friday the 13th, the series. Wow. <laughs> this guy went on to mainstream stuff, and he directed this weird, weird surrealistic porn. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Sold. <laughs> Jared. Wow. Jared, there's one yeah. scene where... A woman walks into the scene where two lesbian cowgirls are making out. It's only lit by firelight. It's lit very well, and they all do each other in a three in an all girl three way while yeah. Wall of Voodoo's cover of Ring of Fire plays. <laughs> okay, it's as weird as it sounds, and just I mean that doesn't sound as weird as the you know <laughs> cream of wheat, the, the chick in yeah. the fifties kitchen. That sounds weird. Yeah, th- th- that's the point. I kind of went. All right, who was high, the producer or the writer, when they know, came up right? with this? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm all about seeing that. <laughs> oh, man. But I've got a bunch of I other ones. Saw- i got a bunch of other ones on my list, like Satisfiers of Alpha Blue, Invasion of the Love Drones, yeah. Stolen Sex Tapes, and stuff like that. And it's just porns that don't need to be porn. And it'll be up here in Hustler Magazine. And I want all the fans to go out and buy multiple copies and let them know how much <laughs> you like my article so then they hire me again. I gotta, right I gotta pimp myself out too. We got paranoia coming out in about a week, and yet I don't have Oof. a, and yet in about a week it's coming out, and I don't have a screener in my mailbox yet. What's going on, Dude, Brad? I don't, I don't even have a screener for it. Because <laughs> I would honestly like to review it so I can tell you how ba- uh, great your performance is on this show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Brad's performance uh, is actually really good, and I'm he, not saying that, and, and I'm not. And I'm really not trying to sound biased here. I'm, I'm, no, I've, I'm I've seen the trailer. He looked like he did a really good job in the trailer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, thanks. But the trailer's yeah, all was, I've you know seen. It's, it's weird. That was... I've never really had a problem. I, I've never... I mean, maybe it's because I've done it for so long, but I've never really had a problem watching myself or anything like that or, or in any other movies or anything. But this one... This one I was the most I was the most nervous about. Not that I thought like the movie was bad or anything like that. It's because it was my the first time I've ever carried a movie this of this budget of this of this kind of release because it's a direct to DVD movie before, which is bigger than anything we've done in the past. Well, see, I, I'm, see one I, I'm one of those people that I can't I can't I can't watch like can't when watch my wife watches wife. the Beyond Midnight's after I was done with them. I can't be in yeah. the room. For, somehow I'm not embarrassed when I'm doing it, and I'm not embarrassed when other people watch it. But I don't. I can't be in the room when other people are watching me. Does that make any sense? A lot of a lot of people are like that. I've I've uh, I've never had that problem before. Um, but I but I know a lot of people who who do. And uh, yeah, I I mean I I don't know if I can say that I necessarily understand what you're talking about because I've never never really had that problem but I, I do know enough people who do to where that's yeah that's pretty that's pretty common but you also got to remember and I'm going to get hit for this later my wife's kind of judgy of you know that was stupid why would you do it like that oh, okay <laughs> so there is that nice you, you know what you know what I hate watching the most is Jared on sc- I mean I'm sorry Jared <laughs> not a big Brad and Jared fan Actually, I am, but... <laughs> Brad and Jared impressed Josh. 
<laughs> I actually want to see you guys fire the cannon too from April Fool's Day. What? I want to see you guys fire the cannon from April Fool's Day. We never got to see. Brad and Jared join the Confederacy. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see that. Check this out. I just got this. I just got this message. Uh, I guess uh, Lloyd Kaufman tweeted a link to our "Beware Children at Play" video. <laughs> nice. Is he like, sweet? Is he happy with it? I don't know. He just tweeted a link to it, so <laughs> he didn't really say one way or the other. It was just like the cinema snob, the cinema snob, beware children at play, and then a, and then a link. Jared, I've been trying to get him on the show, so at some point Brad might get to talk to him. Ooh, that would be I, awesome! If, if, if I, I can get him, him I've spoken to him on the phone. I was trying to work for Troma for a while. Th- that thing, uh, you know, that we were talking about with Full Moon. I tried to pitch that to Troma at first. So I've spoken to Kaufman on the phone. And they just don't have the budget for it, which is why I want to do it at full moon. I, I met him. I met him once. I met him at a. I met him at a con, and uh, he's a great guy. Just very entertaining, energetic, very very funny, and he he loves his fans. You know, he he remembered our names when we came up uh, later on. He was he was a fun guy. I, I've heard I've, I've heard him heard. in numerous interviews, and he seems to be just a really nice guy. Yeah, he was. Uh, he he was he was very nice. Although if you see some of the behind the scenes on like Toxic Avenger Four, it seems like he loses his temper with his crew pretty fast. Well, that that's yeah. I mean, when I I see that happen, and uh, uh, you know, behind the scenes stuff with directors being, you know, kind of moody, kind of losing their temper and stuff like that, and I sit there and watch, and, and while a lot of people would be like, "Oh man, you're an ass," I sit there and be and, and I'll be like, uh. <laughs> I've had those days. <laughs> you also got to realize it's his money they're wasting by screwing up a shot, too. It's like I, I've, I've had those days. One, I mean, in, in my defense, I mean, one, I'm, I'm not the kind of director who's angry every time they're, they're on set, but I've, I've had a couple of days where I'm not in the, the best of moods, so when one line has taken 50 takes, I can get kind of edgy. Well, um, so since we're all about pimping stuff, Psycho Holocaust should be out now. My business partner, Hank Carlson, did all the special effects for a new slasher flick that just came out called Psycho Holocaust. If you, mm-hmm. you ever wanted to see a guy get raped to death by uh, a, a wood saw on a strap-on? <laughs> oh, yes. absolutely. It actually happens in this movie, and it's he, he had to Hank had to build a big fake ass for it, so he's got this big fake rapeable ass sitting in his basement. <laughs> I'm serious. He, he said he was thinking about making extra molds of it and selling it to gay porn shops, but he wasn't quite sure how to go about doing that. I still love the things we can say and the things we can't. Can't I know. say I know. can't say the f word. But rapeable ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I was actually noticing how how much we're talking about like a white girl blowing a black guy in a. You know, See, it's it's <laughs> Jared. What it is? It's the certain words. You know, it's yeah. just the certain words. It's not necessarily the topics. It's just certain words we can't use. Like, <laughs> l- like I could I could use the word orgasm. I couldn't use the three letter C word that most people refer to that as. Well, yeah. Wait, wait, what? No, that, that's not the same thing. Oh, oh, wait, 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 wait. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking wrong C word. I'm sorry. I think you are. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's no way I'm editing that out. <laughs> Making her enough money, I'll call it whatever I want. <laughs> no, See, I, I, I forgot that you said three letters. I yes. I was all like, wait a minute. 
Oh wait, no, that's Patton Oswalt <laughs> has that bit where he uh, talks about how the G-rated version of stuff always sounds much more creepier than the R-rated version. Oh yeah, like I'm gonna put love juice in your hoo-ha. You know. Well, have you guys ever seen? I mean, it's not porn, but have you guys ever seen that clip on YouTube that somebody took of the Bratz movie and overdubbed it all with the Batman Dark Knight voice? What? No, it's hilarious. So, yeah. <laughs> what is it? It Bratz the, the B R A T Z that that movie, and somebody overdubbed. It's just like a three minute clip, but all the girls' dialogue like they were talking like Batman. Like, my God, why aren't we friends anymore? I don't know what happened, and it's just. <laughs> It's so creepy to see. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I, I also nice. showed. I also, I also showed my friend. Showed my pancakes, friend. pancakes. 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 Oh. <laughs> God, I hate that movie. I know, but he he's never seen it, and I just had to show him the pancakes scene. Just that one part, like that. Even I used a clip of that like a week or so ago for a video, and it was one of those deals. Like, oh man, even looking at this one line is just wrecking my soul. I also showed him, not the bees! Not the bees! See, that movie I can get behind, because that movie's at least funny. That not intentionally. Oh, oh, I know. Well, that's um, the same with The Happening. The Happening is fun as hell. I've never I, seen that, but I've heard uh, one of the anchors at the station I used to work at called that, without a doubt, he said, no hyperbole, it is the worst film he has ever sat through. I can, it's, I, it, I can name about is, a thousand movies that are worse than The Happening. It is, it is bad. It is bad, but it's fun. It's hilarious. Oh yeah, The Happening is, The Happening is terrible. It's a terrible movie, but it's 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 so funny that it makes it completely watchable. Yeah, and probably uh, the fact that it was done as serious, not as. Oh funny. yeah, yeah, yeah. Even yeah. though yeah, it's done as a serious thriller, it is completely watchable because it's hilarious as a comedy. I could say the same thing about the Wicker Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to, to do a slight little rant, and you guys may or may not agree with me. I think Christopher Nolan is a condescending director. I watched The Dark Knight. Why did he feel the need to pull a Paul Anderson? You know how Paul Anderson makes Alice in the Resident Evil movies the only competent person? How she's got to rescue everybody else, and nobody else can do anything intelligent except for Alice? Uh-huh. He turned Batman into that. Gotham has probably the most ineffectual police force in the country. Batman's the only one that ever figures out Joker's plans. He's the only one that catches any bad guys. He's constantly rescuing the cops from either the Joker or from themselves. Why did Nolan feel the need? The only way that he felt he could make Batman badass was to make everyone else Nolan incompetent. Is so not the first director to do that to Batman. But I don't, I don't understand it. Why is he considered but it's a not genius? Christopher Nolan's fault. Every single Batman movie is like that. Every single superhero movie is like that. But I mean, I can't believe I'm about to defend George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. But look at Raiders of the Lost Ark. Indiana Jones wasn't badass because all his support staff were idiots. He was badass while they were competent people too. Well, yeah, but that doesn't mean every adventure movie has to be like Indiana Jones. Some of them can do it that way. Superhero movies do it one way. If the cops were that great of a force, we wouldn't need superheroes to begin with. I'm just saying, I, I find it, I, I found the direction in that movie condescending that he basically didn't take the audience, give, give them any intelligence. That everything's got to be spelled out for you, here, go. Everything you've just described just describes a superhero movie, and he did a superhero movie. I thought it was a really damn good one. I hated it, but I, I just 
the fact that it's called one of the best I mean I've heard it called one of not the best comic book movies one of the best movies ever made and it just pisses me off at how condescending the direction is in it Uh, well I I mean just because somebody says something I mean like you know okay I I don't know if uh, you guys know this about me but I, I, I used to play play drums I I'm I'm looking to get back into it soon as soon as I can uh, afford another drum set, but you know back whenever I was actively uh, actively playing in bands and everything I'd hear stuff about like you know Joey Kramer from Aerosmith being like one of the best and and he's not I mean he's he's decent don't get uh-huh. me wrong but he he's decent but he's no you know Neil Peart or Buddy Rich he is what he is. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, just because cr- some critics will call Batman or, or Dark Knight like the best movie ever, it's like no, you know. If yeah, it's it's not it's not the best movie ever. It's not one of the best movies ever. I think it's I yeah I would say like if I made a list of the top twenty best comic book movies, I'd put it on there. But definitely, I think that, I think that a lot of people who probably call it the best movie ever made or one of the top five best movies ever made are probably not mainstream critics, even though they did love the movie. But to go as high as to give it that high of a ranking, I think a lot of that probably comes from people who just go see popcorn flicks all the time. And it's, yeah. it's a popcorn flicks. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Well, I'm going to take a shot at our boss then, because Todd Sheets loves that movie with a passion. Oh, I love it too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, don't get me wrong, it's a good movie. Great movie. Again, shot in Chicago. and you I, know, I disagree, Ill- but... Illinois has... Do you disagree that it was shot in Chicago? (laughs) Absolutely. It it looks like it was shot in Serbia, damn it. (laughs) Well, anyway, shot in Chicago, and and Illinois just has a hard-on for Christopher Nolan because because of that reason. Well, not anymore, because he's not not shooting the third one in Chicago. Oh, no? Yeah, the third one's shot Philadelphia, I I think. Really? I think. I might be wrong about that. But it's not. It's, no, it's not shot in Chicago. Well, see, I've, what, something I've never understood is why do a lot of films... Now, I understand when you're low budget, you got to shoot in Canada and call it New York and stuff like that. Sure. But I'm talking mainstream Hollywood-level films. Why you can't shoot it where it takes place? I recently saw... One in Gotham City? Leave that aside. I'm talking real places. <laughs> I'm talking like the Dawn of the Dead remake takes place in Milwaukee, shot in Canada. They had enough budget. There's no reason they couldn't have shot that in freaking Milwaukee. I agree. I actually agree with you. I, I agree with you on that. I think that's really distracting when that happens. Especially uh, when you're from, like, you know, I'm from I'm near Milwaukee. I recognize all the places and go, yeah, that's not there. The the street they just turned on doesn't exist in Milwaukee. You know, things like that. Most of, most of uh, Jason Takes Manhattan was in Canada, I think. Except for the Times Square the stuff. Times- except for, yeah, except for the Times Square. Uh, there was one movie I saw. I think it was uh, that movie Angel Eyes with Jennifer Lopez. Okay. Uh, I didn't see the whole thing. <laughs> I, I just watched parts of it when it was on TV. But uh, uh, it, I think that movie was supposed to take place in Chicago, but you can see ter- the Toronto skyline in the background. Well, and then sometimes it is budgetary. Remember Spencer for Hire? That was actually sh- took place in Boston and shot in Boston. But then, yeah. but then they came back with those four TV movies with the original cast years later. Yeah. Couldn't afford to shoot in Boston, so they shot in Canada and mm-hmm. called it Boston. And you can tell that's not Boston. Yeah. That's Canada. That's Calgary passing for Boston. Or, or it's, right. Look at CSI Miami. None of those, none of those scenes take place in Florida. CSI oh, Miami yeah. is shot in Las Vegas and in L.A. 
Yeah. What? Then why is it called Miami? Yeah, we should... What's that? Was NY... Where was NYPD Blue shot? Uh, it, it was between uh, New York and L.A. The, the, all the interior stuff, the inside the precinct, was Los Angeles. Exteriors were uh, New York. Yeah, that made it work. That worked. Yeah, because yeah. it doesn't matter where the interiors are shot. You call that oh, yeah. New York, it's going to be New York. But the exterior, <laughs> you you can't shoot in L.A. and call that New York. That's not going to work. <laughs> the way the way you said between New York and L.A., I'm just like, well, that narrows it down. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Okay, I didn't mean physically in between, Jared. <laughs> I meant they alternated between those two locales. Do I have to spell everything out for you tonight, Jared? <laughs> 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 like, I, I don't know, man. Somewhere between Canada and Mexico. <laughs> well, because I always heard, and I don't, I don't know if this is true or not. I always heard, like, when the X Files, when they would have the the standalone episodes where they travel all around the country to various places, that they always tried yeah. to shoot part of it in wherever it took place. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of appreciate that as a production, that if it takes place in Washington, D.C., you shoot it in D.C. If it takes place in Miami, you fly the cast to Miami, something like yeah. that. I appreciated mm-hmm. that on a certain level, even if I knew you couldn't shoot all of it there for yeah. financial reasons, but it was they were making an effort. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciated yeah. that. You, you want to guys want to hear something funny? I picked up yes. for 25 cents at a Goodwill the February 28, 1985 issue of Rolling Stone. Yeah. <laughs> New VCRs. Jensen's AVS 6200, a full-featured stereo VCR. Stereo is emphasized. Features all the music in music video. This thing <laughs> looks like a 1998 computer tower turned on its side. Oh, nice. nice. It's so huge. <laughs> We've also got a laser vision video disc player by Magnavox. I've never seen a laser disc player that looks like this. It's. I actually kind of want one now. Now that I've seen it, but it's just just kind of weird. Like, you remember when Sammy Hagar was actually relevant? Yes, I do. Oh my God! There's an ad for Bachelor Party on Beta, CBS oh, Fox Home yeah. Video. It's almost <laughs> worth getting married for. <laughs> I, I actually, I don't, I don't know what Sammy Hagar is doing these days, but I, I know as of like. I, I know as a as a couple of years ago he had like another album coming out or something like if that. If he was a rocker from the eighties, he's probably on a reality show now. <laughs> probably. probably. Ooh, there's an, there, there's an you interview got me with to, uh, Google Sammy Hagar now to get an update. There's an interview with Elmore Leonard in this. Cool. I actually uh, the other day I, I never thought I would I never thought I would do this, but I I actually did buy a Blu-ray. <laughs> A, a player or just a disc? Not a Blu-ray, Blu-ray player, because I, I no, not a not a player, because I have one of those with the with the game system. It's like okay, it's like okay, if I'm if I'm gonna do this, like it's gotta be it's gotta be this one. So the first Blu-ray that I bought was uh, Caligula. Of course, it's like it's, it's it's my favorite movie. It's my favorite movie of all time. I got <laughs> I gotta have the Blu-ray of it. Well, hey, I, I want to ask both you guys and any listeners out there. Do you any of you? I mean, you remember CEDs, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you know how hard it is to fix a CED player? Have you tried? No, I don't. Because, and I'm hoping some fans will, there's a resale shop here that has, for $25, a CED player that they outright says will not power up, so the CED player is broken, and 25 discs, including stuff like Dr. Zhivago, The Stakeout, and some Star Trek episodes. Nice. But they're, they're useless to me if I can't fix the CED player. So I don't know if that's like one of those things that yeah, when it's broke, it's broke. You're not repairing that. 
Oh, man, or not. I, I don't know. I don't know how to how to how to fix one of those. Because I, I I fixed my laser disc player once. I had to realign the laser and change some fuses and stuff. I would assume a CED player would be ballpark the same since they're essentially the same technology. Yeah. But I don't want to blow twenty five bucks on something that I can't even use. That becomes a huge ass paperweight. Man, I just I just need to get another laser disc player. I've got uh, three. Uh, yeah, I, I need to get another one of those. I also need another. Uh, Top loader VHS. Do you have, I've always liked. To, I always liked having those because that's what our first VCR was. Do you have any laser discs still, or you just want to get got, back I've into got, it? I've got a few downstairs that weren't stolen. Caligula. No, I got stolen. I don't have my Caligula laser disc anymore. Son of a bitch. You no, know, right? Because <laughs> yeah, I've got so many laser discs. My wife actually, uh, we were at uh, Half Price Books, and keep in mind, I'm in financial straits, so she was totally right. To, to yeah. keep me away from them. She saw that they had laser discs on sale for like four ninety nine, and yeah. she kind of kept blocking that section so I wouldn't <laughs> see it because she knew I'd go in there and go crazy. Someday, man. I mean, someday. I, th- I think this is why. Like, I think this is why I uh, had just kind of bought random stuff since my since my stuff got taken. Uh, someday, when I have the money, I'm, I'm just gonna like you know, one check. You know, one transaction buy back all of the uh, DVDs of mine that were that were taken. Just got to do it at once. I can't do like one at like, a time. Buy, buy them back over ten years and stuff like that. I I just can't do that again. But just right at once, just get them all back. What's weird is pricing it. I mean, I'm sure you guys go to a lot of resale places. I bought some Atari fifty two hundred games in the box oh. with the instructions and everything. Centipede dollar ninety nine. Joust, dollar yeah. ninety nine. Human centipede? No. <laughs> Qbert, two dollars and eleven cents. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was just such a random. Why is this one twelve cents more than the other two? I, I just it was and it was two eleven is such a random number. You know, I can even understand if they went up to two fifty, but two eleven. That's funny. It was I just like a that. random number. I'm like, number, I'm like, huh? It's like I think someone else priced this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or, or they did it while drunk. Yeah, that's funny. I like that. I think the cheapest game that I bought was uh, like fifty cents. It was a uh, oh man, what was it called? It's terrible. I got it sitting on the shelf over there, but I can't see the titles from here. It was a submarine game. Atari or what? Uh, NES. It was a submarine game that was wretched. It, it it had like it was a two word title, and I think both words started with an S. And the, the the title that's coming to mind is like Silent Scope, but that's the arcade sniper game, right. or maybe it is called Silent Scope. I don't know. But uh, my wife paid a uh, nickel for Atari Raiders of the Lost Ark. I've got that. Yeah, but it's come on, that's worth a nickel. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I'll take that I, for I a nickel. Et I think for ninety nine cents. <laughs> you got ripped off. It was worth it for me. I don't mind that game because I can I can beat it. Well, no, but I mean for ninety nine cents, I, I've I've got the game too, but I paid a nickel. I mean, they oh, had okay, they had a sorry. whole thing of Atari games, and so I'm sure somewhere I could have got yeah, I'm sure somewhere I could have gotten all this stuff for a nickel. But the play, the 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 game stores that we had at the time were the types that wouldn't go as far down as a nickel. Well, like, no, the, this G- wasn't this wasn't a game store. This was like a re- this was like a uh, like a family owned kind of goodwill thing. It was like you yeah. know a family owned. Have you ever seen Pawn Queens? It was like a little place like that. Oh, okay, all right, yeah, and, nice. And, that's where you're going to find the good deals, or you're going to get really ripped off if the people think they have something valuable that they, 
Th- th- this, that's what I, bothers me about eBay. It's old means it's valuable is the, the mantra they have. Oh, no yeah. people, it's not. Old? I got the best deal ever at the game store. Well, we don't have this game store in town anymore, unfortunately. But the best deal that I got was I walked in there. This was several years ago. I walked in, and uh, the guy was like, hey, I'm about to throw out all of these Sega Saturn games. Uh, do you want them? And I, I didn't have a Sega Saturn at the time. So I'm like, oh, man, I, I don't have a Saturn anymore. My old Saturn, like, broke or something. Um, and I saw the games. There was, like, huh, about half of the, over half of the catalog in there. There was a lot of freaking games in there. How much are you, how much are your Sega Saturns? And uh, he was like, uh, $30? So I'm like, oh, okay. So I bought a $30 Sega Saturn and got like 50 or 60 games for free. I did something like that with uh, at the comic store. They got a set of Heavy Metal issue 1 all the way through 1984. And he's like, well, make me an offer. I'm like, 50 bucks? Deal. That's yeah. That was less than a dollar an issue for every issue of Heavy Metal from the first issue through 84. That's beautiful. But that was years ago. But no, you just reminded me of something. Our local game store, whenever you go in there, all they ever have is the mainstream stuff. You're n- you never are going to see a TurboGrafx-16 game, a Sega CD game, anything like that. Sure. And I asked them why. I'm like, these things have got to come in. He goes, oh, yeah. whenever we get something for a rare system, that goes right on eBay. That never hits the shelf. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you son of a bitch. I have to pay the eBay prices for the thing that you would have only charged $2 in the store for? I mean, maybe I'm just bitching, but that just seems kind of (laughs) sleazy. Honestly, I would probably do the same thing. I mean, you know, uh, Brian Lewis posted up um, an Imperial Walker uh, on uh, Facebook and said, hey, anybody want this? Or I eBay it. I'm like, dude, eBay that stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, oh, <I'm> so close. <laughs> yeah, I'm still gonna beep it anyway, just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, I go, I go, dude, eBay that. You know, it'll it'll bring you some money. You know that it's it's mainly that reason. You know, the rare stuff. Yeah, somebody's gonna find that rare thing. Pay only, pay only twenty bucks. And feel like, ha! I just ripped this store off, you know. But at the but, same token, then what? What is? What's the point of me going into that store? I'm not looking for super, you know, a Super Nintendo game for them. Something. I'm. I go in there to go. Hey, any TurboGrafx 16 or Sega CD stuff show up? Well, then oh, yeah. there's no reason for me to go into that store anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, if anything, maybe you can save some money on shipping if you uh, call them up and say, "Hey, I'm the one that uh, won this eBay." I just still think it's. Oh, that's a good point. I, just, I still think it's sleazing. It just pissed me off because I was wondering, like, I've been going in here for three years. I've never seen a Sega CD or a TurboGrafx-16 game come yeah. out here. You have to have gotten some. I mean, this is Green Bay, Wisconsin. There's no way nobody has a TurboGrafx-16 or a Sega CD besides me. Yeah. So it's Well, like, unfortunately, a lot of the game stores we have here in town, like, don't even buy those. It, it's it's unfortunate. We had one great one here in town, but it closed recently. Oh, so oh, what yeah. you're saying is you got a GameStop. N- nothing below PS2 at this point. My local yeah. GameStop, yeah, we have they won't even take PS1 games. games. Yeah, we have like four or five GameStops here in Springfield. And, it's just and there's one that, that only deals in like role-playing games and stuff like that, like Dungeons & Dragons. Ooh, I'd like that. I'm, I'm an old-school RPGer. I'm looking for lots Ooh. of old-school RPG stuff. You'll have to give me yeah, the address of that place. <laughs> I, I've got a whole little bag of all the different types of dice. I'm, oh, I'm a, yeah. 
D and D and D and D, Star Trek, Cyberpunk, Dark Conspiracy, yeah. Aliens. I've got all that crap. And by the way, any it, fans, if you have any that you want to get rid of, I'll take them. That, Beautiful. And you know what? That was one of my f- most favorite gags on uh, on Futurama. Was that episode where Fry uh, meets up with Al Gore and his and Gary Gygax? Uh, yeah. He goes. He goes. It's a you know. Any rolls. Pleasure to meet you. Yes, <laughs> I, I'm a twelfth level, twelfth level vice president. <laughs> yeah, I said that was great for Gary Gygax to voice himself in that. Oh yeah, they were. They, uh, Al Gore has even returned to Futurama on a few, uh, uh, a few occasions. He was in the movies. Yeah, he was in the movies too. The the movies. I mean, uh, I think I think my favorite Al Gore uh, line was, "I must go now to." Um, to uh, I can't remember what he said. He had to go. Uh, the reason why he had to go, but then he yells out, "Peace out, y'all!" Yep. <laughs> yeah. I remember that one. Um. Hey, real quickly, I like I said, you 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 talked about Sammy Hagar, so I went ahead and Googled it. Found his official site, RedRocker.com. Get this, he's in a band right now called Chickenfoot. And and get ready for this lineup. It's him. With Joe Satriani, the Satch Man, that's right, Michael Anthony, and Chad Smith. And, and to be honest, that about, about Michael Anthony, that explains a lot. Because have you seen Van Halen lately? Thank God I haven't. Oh, it's, 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 oh, it's, it's so funny, dude. It's Eddie and Alex, of course, uh, Alex on drums, Wolfgang, his son on bass guitar. And and it's um and it's uh, uh David Lee Roth singing uh, David Lee Roth is uh, back to singing for him. See, but I gave up on them when when that uh, that douchebag from Extreme joined him, whose name I can't even remember. Gary Sharon. Uh, yeah, I I wasn't even going to look it up. I care so little. Gary yeah. Gary Sharon sounded just like the other uh, the other two. I mean, they, I didn't even was... like Extreme. I hated them too. <laughs> Screw yeah. them. So, so so yeah. Um, so yeah, Chickenfoot is the name of the band that he's in now. And honestly, I am a huge fan of Satriani and and Chad Smith. Like I said, as a drummer, I'll, I'm, I'm going to geek out a, a, as a drummer. You guys might remember him from the Chili Peppers. He was he's a good drummer. Still working with Sammy Hagar, your career has fallen. It, it, it's it's like a washed up rock star central there. I, I think no, no, come on now. I would rather I like Sammy Hagar. Yeah, I was gonna say I would rather be be associated with Sammy Hagar than I would Eddie Van Halen. Come on, because okay, I, I admit I like Sammy Hagar's solo stuff, like Can't Drive Fifty Five and the oh, stuff yeah. he did for heavy metal and that. But Van Hagar sucked. I actually, I actually really liked Van Hagar. I didn't well, like I Van know, Hagar. I know that I'm like, I know that I'm like the new wave guy, <laughs> and the, and the uh, I know that I'm like the '80s new wave guy. But I did, I did genuinely like Van Halen and Van Hagar. Oh. Yeah, Van Hagar was was decent. But Josh, did you ever get into any of the stuff he did solo after Van Hagar? No. I, I, oh, I didn't get into any man. of that. Well, we, Marching uh, to we, Mars was a good one. Uh, I've heard a couple from Red Voodoo. That was another really good one. They come on in. No, apparently there's someone <laughs> well, downstairs. We have to we have to go anyway. We're we're already at our time. Oh, so. did, you, did you hear me? Sorry, I yes. thought I had my hand over the. I had <laughs> yeah. my hand no, over the come in. <laughs> <laughs> Who, so, who's who's there? Jake. 
Oh, right on. So I had, all right. my, I had my hand over the microphone. I guess it's not still well. <laughs> so, all right, we're, we're going to say goodnight. 1201beyond.blogspot.com, 1201beyond at gmail.com, cinemasnob.com, and look for Jared on Facebook. Uh, and every, blip, every fan should friend him. And blip.tv <laughs> slash foil wrapped. And check out Paranoia coming out June 7th. Good night. Good night. Good night. Do you remember?